Maria Sibylla Marion first witnessed the strange and curious process of metamorphosis while raising silkworms as a young girl. She began by observing, first, the kernel-shaped eggs. She examined with a curious eye the way they glowed in the morning light. She watched and chanted as the sun illuminated the strange grain-like structures. Their mysteries, the worlds within, hidden by the yarn-like fibers blanketing the enclosure. Her 13-year-old mind churned with new ideas, watching patiently as the larva slowly developed inside. Days turned into weeks, weeks into months. She sketched what she saw and took fastidious notes along the way. Her notebooks took on a life of their own. They became a chronicle of the passage of time. She watched finally as the wriggling pupa emerged on a bed of mulberry, their segmented bodies crawling, finally finding purchase, their transformation complete. The ecological alchemy of this metamorphosis puzzled her young mind. She expanded her observation to other insects, though she favored Lepidoptera, the order of insects occupied by moths and butterflies. This daily practice of sketching and observing evolved over time. She soon had a menagerie of creatures and an assortment of jars and boxes housing her curiosities. Encouraged by her stepfather, a still-life painter named Jacob Mahler, she continued drawing. Her renderings reflected her wonderment at the world around her. Parchment leaves littered her workspace. She continued working feverishly, her interest turning into an obsession. Had Maria been born in a different era, she may have continued on a path to formalized study. But 16th century customs dictated the next few turns on her life's journey. At the age of 16, she married one of her stepfather's pupils, Johann Andreas Graf. Soon, the couple had a daughter. Her priorities shifted to maternal and marital duty as the norms of the time demanded of her. But still, her studies flourished. She continued raising the myriad creatures now occupying her kitchen-turned-laboratory, and she took care to place the insects in context. She built enclosures with plants the insects might inhabit in nature. And in other words, she made them feel at home. Well, biologically speaking. After two decades of observation, she published Der Rapper Wunderbarer Wunderlung, or the wondrous transformation of caterpillars. By drawing her insects alongside other complementary flora and fauna, she painted a portrait of a vast ecological tapestry of Lepidoptera and the worlds they occupied. Her seminal work, however, came when she set sail for Suriname in June of 1699 on a self-funded exploration. There she studied the moths and butterflies of the Guinean Shield Territory. Her methods of observation and study, as always, were punctilious and deliberate, her technique refined. She approached her work with a careful hand and a steady mind. She observed indigenous names for the plants and animals she collected. Her continued dialogue with native communities informed her research. 
this Suriname voyage and her subsequent work, Metamorphosis Insectorum Surinensium, marked her most significant contribution to the scientific community. This in a time when many scholars thought butterflies to be the souls of witches. At the time, the journey would have been dangerous and unprecedented. Risking disease and ostracism, Marion persisted. Marion's steadfast courage was a primary creative resource to fulfill her life's work and to carve out a space in this world for her ideas and contributions. At the time of publication, Murray was nearly 60 years old. Today, many within the scientific community consider Maria to be the world's first ecologist. Her careful study and artful renderings considered the full biological portrait of a species. The collective body of work hinted at the interconnectedness of the natural world. Centuries later, we remember her as a courageous, non-conforming, creative pioneer who pushed the boundaries of her world. Societally, we have come to believe that only some people are capable of creativity. We think of seminal works and the generational talents that produce them as inherently creative. From this vantage, you're either born with creative traits and talents or you're just simply not. By all accounts, Maria's life is a testament to creative persistence and the resiliency that comes from finding a passion and pursuing it wholeheartedly especially in the face of societal and cultural norms that wish to deny you of your dreams. But as Maria Marion's story illustrates, there's often a lot more nuance to creative thought and the work it produces. The fact is she devoted her life to creative practice by way of small daily investments of energy. In other words, she developed her creative faculties. She was not pre-programmed to live a life of scientific artistry by some genetic or biological quirk. In the preface to her magnum opus, Metamorphosis Insectorum Surinamensium, she describes her devotion to her work. I quote, From my youth onwards, I have been concerned with the study of insects, in which I began with silkworms in my native city, Frankfurt am Main. Then I observed the far more beautiful butterflies and moths that developed from caterpillars other than silkworms, which led me to collect all the caterpillars I could find in order to study their metamorphosis. I therefore withdrew from society and devoted myself to these investigations. At the same time, I wished to become proficient in the skill of painting in order to paint and describe them from life. Thus I depicted all the insects I could find, first of all at Frankfurt and then at Nuremberg painting in great exactitude on vellum." End quote. Maria's creativity was hard-earned. It blossomed over time. It came from a place deep within her. Her wonderment and curiosity led her actions, the creative resources that guided her day in, day out, and her wide-eyed way of looking at the world around her at both the micro and macro level, and her way of thinking about her surroundings both locally and globally domestically and abroad, is what really led to her creative development. When we think about our own creativity, it's often tempting to quantify our abilities, or lack thereof. We assume that we've either got it or we don't. And we paint creativity as something that's fleeting, 
like one of Maria's butterflies catching a draft and flying away, growing ever and ever smaller against the blue expanses of the Suriname shoreline. In truth, our creative resources come in many forms, such as courage, curiosity, resilience in the face of failure, and openness to new ideas. The fact of the matter is creativity is for everyone, and it's accessible to anyone. From a plucky young scientist in the making living in 16th century Germany, to the friends and family members that surround us today, finding avenues for their creative development in all aspects of life. But we need to change the way we view creativity. For Maria, small inputs of daily creativity contributed to a monumental, world-altering body of work. She celebrated her 60th trip around the sun by accepting the plaudits of the scientific and artistic communities for her seminal work, Metamorphosis Insectorum. This in a time when women were not allowed equal footing in these pursuits. But her life's work was just that, work. It wasn't a momentary burst of some divine cosmic intervention. Her daily practice of sketching and observing helped her hone her craft. That creative resource gave her ideas and observations a means for expression. And her curiosity about one small corner of her world helped inspire her to set the conditions necessary for creativity to flourish. And she did not shirk away from taking risks, like traveling to unfamiliar places or drawing bad drafts in the process of developing her final pieces of art. She prioritized risk-taking and openness, more of her key creative resources. Her mistakes informed her next steps forward. Failed experiments became future discoveries. By embracing the unknown, she delved into a world of possibility. Through this work came the refinement of her ideas and approaches. Ultimately, the creative process demands persistence through challenges and adaptiveness when currents change and a new course must be set. Perhaps Maria's journey to Suriname is a fitting metaphor for the journey of her own creativity. She knew that her vision far exceeded the four corners of her kitchen laboratory. The challenge of a failing marriage pushed her to find refuge in her work, and her adaptiveness led her to seek adventure overseas. She risked her fortune, her family, and her health in a pursuit of a dream. Her trip from her home in the Netherlands to the jungles of Suriname was 5,000 miles by ship. Remarkably, this voyage was self-funded. She hired the ship, bought supplies, and paid staff to assist her along the way. She used money earned from teaching painting classes and selling art to fund her voyage. And this in a time when opportunities for women to pursue their own dreams were greatly limited by a patriarchal society, even more oppressive than ours today. Her commitment to her vision and passion went deep, another important creative resource. What she learned from her travels changed the discourse on biology and entomology. Prevailing theories at the time suggested that frogs were born in raindrops, that insects emerged from the mud into existence, and that untended wheat will produce mice. Her observations revealed a biological process underpinning the natural world. 
For centuries, we siloed art and creative output to lofty, unattainable heights far removed from any of us. They're often viewed as virtues of the naturally gifted, and when it comes to exalted figures like Maria Marian, we believe implicitly in their inborn genius. But creativity is more commonplace than we realize, and it actually begins with believing that our own creative development is possible. For every great work, there are countless unseen moments of growth, progress, and risk-taking. We all produce bad drafts on the way to new insights and ideas and works that we all value. Bad drafts are not optional. They are essential. Maria's countless hours spent in the candlelight watching her experiments unfold are often forgotten. What's remembered instead is the final product, the gleaming oil paint sheen on the surface that catches the eye, but hidden underneath, the markings and graphite sketches of trial and error process are unseen. The creative process may be different for each of us, but decades of research describe some commonalities. Our earliest ancestors engaged in the creative process to discover all kinds of innovations and solutions to adapt to the conditions around them and to express their unique interpretations about how they exist in the world. In fact, some anthropologists believe that the first artistic act is documented in the handprints on cave walls dating back more than 10,000 years. The expression of, I am here, made in mud. The quest for understanding of the world around us leads to creative engagement. We use different parts of our creative potential to make meaning of what we experience and see in the world, and to imagine and fashion new possibilities. Whether we direct our efforts to science, art, or anything in between, When we consider the traits of creative engagement, freedom, adaptiveness, relatedness, risk-taking and competence, we realize that creativity is everywhere. Not every risk is an ocean-trekking voyage to lands unknown. It could be the retelling of a funny story to a friend or family member, or it could be the way you prepare and serve a meal to your loved ones. If we look for it, we can find small, modest acts of creativity happening all around us. In this view, we are all implicitly creative. We don't need a grandiose vision to channel our creativity, and we don't need to possess a special skill or trait to begin the process. In other words, everyone is creative. and each person's creative potential does not exist on some linear spectrum. There is no singular creativity metric, no low to high gradient that can capture the many dimensions and expressions of creative potential. It comes in many forms and requires a wide range of ingredients to take shape, make meaning, and affect others in the world around us. In this view, creativity is accessible by all, and this knowledge is liberating. Imagine the limitless possibility of the human mind to create both acts of creativity large and small, and the works produced, the everyday and the once-in-a-lifetime, are all valid. So, what is creativity? Is it a butterfly on the wind? A single note struck on a piano in an old cathedral? Is creativity found in the moments between our daydreams? 
or the first brushstroke on a new canvas. Do creative ideas find us? Is creativity simply the act of human courage? Or is creativity the collective work of humanity continuing to evolve through each of us in a unique way? Ah, perhaps, though, creativity is really the everyday, unseen efforts of risk-taking, openness, and curiosity. In short, yes, it is all of these. Thank you for tuning in to the Inside the Box podcast. I'm Ross Anderson, your host, and this podcast is brought to you by the MakeSpace Project, funded by a U.S. Department of Education grant to bring creative engagement into schools all over the country. You can find out more at www.makespaceproject.org. May we all find creative engagement in moments of our days and share the delight with others. Thank you.